the preacher, at the end of the section, he just bursts out. He bursts out to where he's actually trying to get us. He doesn't want us chasing money. He wants us chasing. Well, listen to him. He says, let me tell you about God. Let me tell you about God. God is the giver of food and drink. God is the giver of satisfaction in your toil. God is the one who gives you money and possessions. And God is the one who enables you to enjoy them. God gives. God gives. God gives. This is what the preacher is pushing into your heart. You can't take it with you. Not in your hand. And take that with you in your heart. The following is a sermon from Peace Lutheran, a church located in downtown Aiken, South Carolina. For more information and for more content, go to peaceinaiken.com. We've been moving through this sermon series on the book of Ecclesiastes, and this man who calls himself the preacher, we know that this is Solomon, he calls himself the preacher, is he's taking us through different topics, showing us different aspects of wisdom for life, and today he takes on the topic of money, abundance, and possessions. This is what he teaches us in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owners except to feast their eyes on them? The sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether they eat little or much. But as for the rich... Their abundance permits them no sleep. I have seen a grievous evil under the sun, wealth hoarded to the harm of its owners, or wealth lost through some misfortune, so that when they have children, there is nothing left for them to inherit. Everyone comes naked from their mother's womb, and as everyone comes, so they depart." They take nothing from their toil that they can carry in their hands. This, too, is a grievous evil. As everyone comes, so they depart. And what do they gain since they toil for the wind? All their days they eat in darkness with great frustration, affliction, and anger. This is what I have observed to be good, that it is appropriate for a person to eat and to drink, and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given them, for this is their lot. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. They seldom reflect on the days of their life, because God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. This is God's Word. Well, there's a lot here. 
And so what we have to do is we try to, we got to try to break this down. And I was thinking about how we could best do that. And what I thought we could do is we'll take this, this scripture and we're going to put it under one big category. Money lies. That's what the preacher is going after today. He's going after lies that we believe about money. This goes to a much broader category that Jesus taught us about. He said that when we believe lies that we're like spiritual captives, we're like, we're like people with, with chains on, we're like people who are living in a prison but we're not in a prison. And he said that when we receive the truth that comes from him, that the truth then sets us free. Lies shackle us, but the truth set us free. There's a guy by the name of Dr. Chris Thurman. He built a money, he built a publishing, a book publishing empire on this idea. He published a classic book that's worth reading that's called The Lies We Believe. And he looked at all the different things that we tend to believe and how the gospel, specifically the gospel, sets us free from these lies. We're just going to look at one lie, or really one set of lies today. Money lies. The preacher looked around his world, and he saw people who believed money lies. Some people thought that money was going to secure their future, and it really didn't. Other people thought that more money was going to make them happy, and it really didn't. Money lies. It was trapping them. That's what the, that's what the preacher saw. It was trapping them. You, you can imagine how. And when you chase money, you're just chasing money. And when you, when you think about money, that's all you're doing. It doesn't make you more secure. It actually makes you more insecure. So money, when you love it, is a trap. And what the truth of the gospel does is it sets you free. So, here's what I want to do today. I want to look at three lies that we tend to tell ourselves about money. And then the preacher is going to give us one hopeful truth. Three lies, one hopeful truth. Here's your first lie. Money will make you happier. The preacher says, are you sure? He says, whoever loves money will never have enough. He said, whoever loves wealth will never be satisfied with their income. Money can never give you a satisfied heart. It doesn't have that kind of power. Go up to a woman sometime who's just lost her husband and say, here's $10,000. See if that does it. Money doesn't have that kind of power. I'll tell you what kind of money power, what kind of power money does have. Money has the power to make you want more of it. It's like salt water. If you drink it, you'll only get thirstier. John D. Rockefeller, the famous tycoon, was once asked, how much money is enough? Do you know what he said? 
Just a little bit more. Did you hear about the Twitter battle earlier this week? Jeff Bezos goes on Twitter. He tweets out, I have revolutionized two different industries. Elon Musk, he tweets back. Tweets back a silver medal emoticon, second place. Did you hear this? Apparently, the news is reporting that now Elon Musk is the, is, the, is the most wealthy man in the world. He is now wealthier than Jeff Bezos by a cool $30 billion. Now, money can do a lot of things. It can even make grown men act like kindergartners on Twitter. But what it will never do is satisfy the human heart. It doesn't have that kind of power. What it actually does, according to the preacher, is make life more complicated. And he says, what good is it, what profit is it, except to look at it? He's right on both counts. You can have so much wealth that you can have three bottles of wine instead of just one. But the two bottles of wine don't do you any good. You can only drink one. You can have three houses instead of one, but you can only live in one at a time. It doesn't do you any good. All you can do is look at it. Same thing with your portfolio online. It's just a set of numbers. That's all it is. What good is it going to do you when you look at it on the screen? It's just something to look at. Plus, it's a lot of work. That's why the only thing you can do is look at it. That's what my wife says. When you have a bigger house, you just have more carpets to vacuum. Amen, man. <laughs> when you have more bathrooms, there's just more bathrooms to clean. When you have a bigger yard, there's just more to prune. Life doesn't get easier, it gets more complicated. That's what the preacher says. In fact, he says that when you have a lot of money, what ends up happening is that the more that you've got, the more that there are people who want to consume it. So you get all kinds of hangers-on. You get all kinds of leeches when you have a lot of money hanging around you because they want your money. When you have a lot of money, the government looks at you more closely. When you have a lot of money, then you've got to hire a financial advisor to help you manage it. And then you have all this responsibility to give to the poor. Money doesn't make life easier, it makes it more complicated. In my youth, I learned that from the great philosopher, king, and poet, Puff Daddy. <laughs> you know the line, more money, more problems. Money doesn't make you happier, it doesn't have that kind of power. That's your first lie. Here's your second one. Rich people are happier than poor people. The preacher says, are you sure? Now, we're going at this same idea, right? What correlation does wealth and money have on your state of well-being? What's the connection? So we believe this lie. Rich people are happier than poor people. And the preacher says, are you sure? He gives you two images in the proverb. 
The first image is an image of a guy who is sleeping like a baby. <laughs> Did you notice this? The guy has gone out to work. He's worked hard. His, his work has satisfied him. He goes back in the house. He sleeps like a baby. It's, he's just sawing Z's like a baby. It's this beautiful image. The guy's just sleeping like a baby. That's your first image. And then he gives you a second image. The second image is of a rich person who is up at night. Now, we may suspect, even if the preacher doesn't tell us why he's up at night, why this person is up at night. We might suspect, why is she up? Well, she's up because the inflation report is coming out for the market and she wants to be up on all this stuff so that she doesn't lose any money. So she's up at night, we might suspect. We might suspect that the guy's running a business. He's got to run the business. He's got a lot of stuff to do. He's got to make sure that he's on it. So he's up at night. And if we suspect that, we're probably wrong. Probably what the preacher is talking about is being dyspeptic. That's a technical term. Your doctor might use it. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, let me paint the picture. I was in the south of Texas a few years ago, and I was the guy with abundance. There was brisket. Now, you have to understand that this brisket, I don't know what it was, but I think it fell straight from heaven. I remember two things about this Texas brisket and my experience with it. The first is how much I enjoyed it while I was eating it. Let's just say I had my fair share. I remember that. The second thing that I remember is how I felt at 2 a.m. <laughs> what I would have given for a bottle of Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> What's the point? Abundance does have its costs. This, of course, opens up the door to asking the question and noticing that poor people actually have some significant advantages. Like, you're probably not going to be looking for a bottle of Pepto-Bismol. Like the fact that you can just work and sleep, sleep like a baby at night. Like, like the fact that you don't have to keep one eye on your stocks and the other eye on the people who want to take your money from you. There are some advantages to being poor. But now I'm not trying to be trite. You'll notice what the preacher said about the guy who is sleeping like a baby. Did you notice it? He said it didn't matter if the guy had a lot or a little. Did you notice it? The rich person doesn't have an advantage when it comes to well-being. The poor person doesn't have an advantage when it comes to well-being. What's the difference? Money is not the difference in your life. What's the difference? Contentment is. Contentment is. Contentment is what is going to make you sleep 
like a baby in the arms of God. Rich people aren't happier than poor people. You know who's happier? Content people are. There's your second your second lie that's straightened out by the truth. Here's your third lie. Money will guarantee your future. Now you'll notice here that the preacher all of a sudden changes tactics. Where before he was telling you proverbs. Here's a proverb about rich people. Here's a proverb about content people. All of a sudden, he switches tactics, and what he does is he tells you a story. This is significant, because when you hear a story, all of a sudden, you start thinking about the fact that that story could be about me, and my story might end the exact same way, so he tells a story, and it's a powerful move. He tells a story about a guy who is rich. Apparently, he is saved, and he is saved, and he is saved, and he is saved. Here, the preacher calls that hoarding. That's what we call that, spiritual hoarding. He's saved, and he's saved. He's invested, he's invested, he's got all this money. And he loses everything. Loses everything. It's a tragedy. Now, we're not sure what happened. This is on purpose. I'm sure it is. I'm sure that... The preacher doesn't tell us what happened because he wants us to imagine it for ourselves. Like, what happened? Was, was the poor guy, Bernie Madoff, you know, did his wife get sick and then he has to pay all these doctor bills? Did he get into precious metals and then gold tanked? What happened? Did his business blow? What happened? How many ways are there for us to lose a fortune? You tell me. At any rate, the story goes like this. Guy loses it all. It's so bad that his kids have nothing in their hands. Poor guy's kids turn out to be poster children for the Feed the Children campaign. That's the story. Money secured no one's future. That's the sledgehammer. He actually brings the sledgehammer down even further. He says this, he says, that we come into this world with nothing, and we have to leave this world with nothing. He says that's the way it works. He's quoting Job. Did you know that? He's quoting Job. Job, of course. This is Job's famous statement. Job loses it all, loses everything. Greatest man, in his, man of the East, incredibly wealthy business tycoon, loses it all. What does Job say? Naked I came from my mother's womb, and famously, nakedly, I will depart. He's quoting Job. Same thing in the New Testament. Paul says the same thing. Paul's alluding to it. 1 Timothy chapter 6, we bring nothing into this world, Paul says. We can take nothing out. In the end, money can't plug our vulnerabilities. Money will not secure our future. The preacher thinks we need to hear that today. Here's the deal why. 
Money creates an illusion of control. Money creates an illusion of control. If we just have enough of it, we'll be able to control our future. That's the sledgehammer. This is the sledgehammer. You see, he's moving into it. Do you see how the preacher's moving into it? He starts out and he says, look, money, don't be so sure that money's going to make you happy. What it does is it makes your life more com- complicated. You see, he says, look, you don't, don't, don't be so sure that you're going to be happier than poor people. He says, don't be so sure about it. And then all of a sudden, he brings the hammer down and he says, look at money. In the end, what's it going to do in your life? It's going to leave you when you most need it. You cannot trust money. It's an illusion. It's such a tragedy. I'll agree with the preacher on that. It's a tragedy. Heart problems and viruses just refuse to check your net worth before they do whatever they're going to do to you. It's a tragedy. It's a tragedy that tragedies don't give a rip about how much and how hard you worked for it all. It's a tragedy. It's a tragedy that you can work and you can work and you can save and you can save and you can save and you can save, hoping that you're going to end up in a decent home someday. And then it turns out that the nurse you get is a crank. It's a tragedy. But do you see it? Money just will not secure your future. We came into this world with nothing. Finally, we're going to leave this world without anything too. Three lies. One hopeful truth. I want to put that hopeful truth in stark contrast with you before I reveal it to you. If the lie is that money is going to make us happier, if the lie is that, is that rich people are happier than poor people, if the lie is that money is going to secure our future, then what we have here is something that will secure our future, that will satisfy us. Money can't do it. This is where I want to be clear. It's the love of money that's the problem. It's the pursuit of money that's the problem. It's the trusting of money that's, that's the problem. Money itself is useful. That's why in just a minute, there's going to be an offering. <laughs> this is not evil. Money's useful. It's the, it's the chasing of money. It's the, the loving of money that's, that's the problem. So here's the deal. You can't take it with you. But you can take it with you. Let me see if I can get you there. The preacher's been pushing you in this direction the whole time. He gives you this image of Musk and and Bezos. He gives you this image of this guy who's sleeping tight at night, sleeping like a baby. 
He gives you this image then of these children who are on the Feed the Children campaign poster. And what he says about them is that they've got nothing in their hands. He's begging you to see it so far. He's begging you to see nothing in their hands. But you can have something in your heart. That's when, see, that's when he climaxes. That's when he peeks out. That's when he finally reaches the apex of what he's been trying to say the whole time. Because all of a sudden, the preacher, at the end of the section, he just bursts out. He bursts out to where he's actually trying to get us. He doesn't want us chasing money. He wants us chasing. Well, listen to him. He says, let me tell you about God. Let me tell you about God. God is the giver of food and drink. God is the giver of satisfaction in your toil. God is the one who gives you money and possessions. And God is the one who enables you to enjoy them. God gives. God gives. God gives. This is what the preacher is pushing into your heart. You can't take it with you. Not in your hand. But you can take that with you in your heart. Alexander the Great knew that. When he died, it's said that he made sure that at his funeral, that the whole world could see that Alexander the Great at his funeral had nothing in his hands. You can't take it with you. Not in your hands. But you can take it with you. In your heart. That's the it factor. Faith in God. The truth of the gospel is that God gives God gives. God gives. He is the giver. God gives and God gives and, and God gives and God gives. God is the giver. He is the giver of everything. God gives. Do you know how much He gives? In the New Testament, there are, by some estimations, 80% more passages warning about the, the love of, of money and abundance than there are warning about sexual sin. Did you know that? What does that tell you about the human heart? We struggle so. And do you know what the best way is to offend a giver? Doubt them. Doubt that they want to give. That's why unbelief is the sin that condemns. We struggle so to believe that God will give. That's why we struggle with money. And yet, think about this God still gives. 
for years. I drove around with one piece of art in my car. It sit in the little cup holder right here. I got it while I was in Jerusalem. It was a crucifix. And on the crucifix, it, the crucifix, it was, I don't know, like all of two inches tall or something like that. It was carved out of Jerusalem wood. And on it, there's a little pewter crucified Christ. For years, I drove around with that thing. And, I, and every time I got in the car, I looked at it. And often, I'd think about the different things that it meant to me. All these years later, though, for the first time, I noticed this. I noticed how naked Christ was. On the crucifix, he's naked all the way down to here. You could see his navel even. And then the covering doesn't cover that much, actually. I think you can probably picture it. Christ, he died naked and vulnerable. That's historical. They stripped him, the Bible says. Why? Because God gives. When we didn't trust him, he gave his own son on our behalf. Naked Christ came into this world. Naked he departed. Why? To forgive us. God gives and God gives and God gives. God has given even up to his own son. What won't he give you, people of God? What won't he give you? You are rich. You will always be rich. You know what I want you to do? Go on Twitter. Tweet back Musk. Tweet him back a silver medal. You got more. I'll back you. Sleep tight tonight. Why? Because you got enough in the bank? No. Because you have God. Sleep like a baby. Your future is not in your hands, but it is in your Father's. Dearly loved people of God, you can't take it with you, but you always can take it with you. Hold it in your heart. Trust Him. He's there for you. Let's pray. Father, today we pray to you first the prayer that your inspired servant, Agur, son of Jacob, taught us to pray. Give us neither poverty nor riches, but only daily bread. Otherwise, we may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or we may become poor and steal and so dishonor your name. 
In short, Father, we do pray with your Son who taught us to pray. Give us today our daily bread.